Hello, and welcome to Bible Bitches. I'm here with the one Sarah Hoff. What's up? Yeah. I'm here with Laura Barclay. Yo, yo. Um, guess what? Today we are talking about the miracles of Jesus. From raising people from the dead to exercising demons to healing ailments, Jesus was walking around a perhaps a 21st century reader like a Hogwarts graduate with a wand just fixing stuff. You might have wondered, hey, was Jesus a wizard? I'm constantly wondering that. Yeah? Every day I'm like, who's more of a wizard, Jesus or Gandalf? I mean, that's a great question. You know, I... I can see how one would get, you know, get them conflated even. Yeah. Certainly at the Battle of Helm's Deep, um, you know, when Gandalf is fighting with sunlight, which, you know, that seems like a very Jesus-y thing to do. Like, I would I would get the two confused. <laughs> totally. So, always. I'm like, I don't even know who's in that movie anymore. You know, is it Jesus? Is it Gandalf? So I want us to start off by talking about the different gospels, characteristics, or motives which affect how the miracles are categorized and in what context. There is only one miracle talked about in all four Gospels, and that is the feeding of the 5,000, a.k.a. feeding of the multitude, a.k.a. the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And we can compare how differently each Gospel talks about that event. And then I want to talk about a few of my favorite miracles. Spoiler, they're all from Mark 5. And most of what we are referencing today is pulled directly from notes from our New Testament class with Dr. Diane Lipset during our time at Wake Forest University School of Divinity. Yeah, and buckle up because we're going to be like popping around from gospel to gospel and explaining like different contexts. So it's it gets a little nitty gritty. Yeah, get in the back seat. <laughs> Keep up. That's right. <laughs> so first up, we have the Gospel of Mark. It was written first before Matthew, Luke, or John around 60 A.D., there was a lot of discussion around uh, the secrecy of Jesus's identity in Mark. So he would go do a healing and then just bail. Here he seems like in this in this work in Mark, he seems more magical, saying words with healing like Talithia kum, kumi or young woman, get up when healing in Mark 5 or mix or how he mixes dirt and spit in Mark 8 to give sight to a blind man. Miracles are a way of explaining who Jesus is who Jesus is, or heightening the drama as the story unfolds. His countenance is more good and emotional with him questioning and feeling. The disciples sort of come off as goofs, and it's grittier, shorter, and more to the point. Yeah, he's more human there, right? He's just, he's human. Um, And Matthew, written a decade or two after Mark and using Mark as a source, uh, these healing stories are less magical. Spit and magical phrases are dropped. Jesus is more elevated or Christ-like with no focus on secrecy and miracle stories. Jesus is less emotional and more knowledgeable. There's a focus on scriptural fulfillment and the kingdom of heaven to come. Less in the moment and more purposeful reasoning behind what is happening. More Gandalf the Grey. Mm. In Luke, written around the same time as Matthew and also using Mark as a source, there is a focus on themes like forgiveness of sin, Satan and the forces of evil working, social roles, reversals, Jesus appearing as a prophet or a servant, and table fellowship or Eucharist, an imminent kingdom coming. Women are also more central in Jesus' ministry in Luke. Yeah, they were funding that stuff, right? I like it. That's right. Ladies doing a business. (laughs) (laughs) The Gospel of John was written the latest, probably as late as 110 AD. The Jews and Gentiles have already split with most Christians 
uh, being Gentiles at this point. So it can read a little anti-Semitically out of context, but in context it appears there was a specific Christian community mourning a schism that happened whereby the Jewish members left. Jesus' full miracle here, first miracle here is in Cana, about half of the distance between the coast and the Sea of Galilee, where he turns water into wine at a wedding. John starts off with, in the beginning was the word, and connects this to Jesus, focusing on Jesus as divine. His miracles are effortless and elevated because he is eternal. Jesus is about glory and light and life and love. He's very Gandalf the White. Mm. Yeah, and I think having this backstory is helpful as we go into the story of the feeding of the 5,000, um, a.k.a. the loaves and fishes story, to compare. In Mark, Jesus' humanity is on full display as he withdraws before he performs the miracle in order to rest. The disciples want to send the crowds away, and also they don't think they can feed the crowds. Remember, in the Gospel of Mark, the disciples are goofs and never seem to get what Jesus is really up to. Jesus is asking questions and showing compassion, all very human traits. And there are 12 baskets of leftovers. It's a grittier telling of the story. Jesus is human. He's asking how many loaves, like a chef. It's very Gandalf the Grey. In Matthew, this miracle takes place after the death of John the Baptist and after Jesus' subsequent withdrawal to the desert. The disciples distribute the food, learning from Jesus. There is language around the Eucharist with words like taking, blessed, broke, and gave. There are literary parallels to manna in the wilderness in the Exodus story. Um, Jesus appears to be a prophet in the same vein as Moses. So he's elevated but not super divine like in John. Uh, He's more like Gandalf the light grayish. Right. So in Luke, Jesus came out of a retreat as in Matthew, but the death of John the Baptist is not given as a reason. There's a location of there's the location of Bethsaida given unlike the other versions. Um, so this story is placed literally between Herod asking who Jesus is and Peter's confession of who Jesus is, and Peter's confession of who Jesus is. So the story says something about Jesus's identity. Jesus is Jesus is explained in the narrative as someone who breaks bread. Eucharistic language is used in Luke, like in Matthew, with words like take, blessed, broke, gave. The disciples serve the people following Jesus's prophet-servant model, though there aren't the comparisons to Moses as there are in Matthew. In John, miracles are more like signs that show who Jesus is. The people he feeds call him the prophet who is to come to the world, which I basically, you know, called my stepbrother Michael after he made me a lobster roll when I've been day drinking rosé. It's one of the best things I've ever eaten, and I, I don't actually know why we're not doing an episode on that. <laughs> Anywho, uh, remember when I said the book of John is anti-Semitic out of context? Here, Jesus is essentially replacing the Jewish festival of Passover. Even the crowd is with him instead of in Jerusalem, where they would officially celebrate Passover at the time. There's less of a discipleship or Eucharistic theme and more like, hey, you got me, Jesus, instead of Passover. The disciples are present merely to provide a foil to Jesus' foreknowledge because he's pretty much divine in this book. Also, the crowds want to take him by force and make him a king. Jesus has to withdraw to keep this from happening because here he is God, not a political messiah. Gandalf the White for sure. Yeah, so we've got a lot of different motivations for each of these writings, right? So now let's talk brass tacks. Did he really do any of it? She says that she slams her fist down. 
I'm always trying to talk brass tacks. Yeah, right now she's got a flashlight in my face, and she's like, you know, it's like an interrogation room. (laughs) I'm going to waterboard you later. (laughs) Well, it's just like a regular weekend fun here. (laughs) I remember our professor sort of alluding to um, this, you know, sort of miracle language, like healing stories being very common language in writings of that day. Um, maybe in the same way that we currently like superhero stories and it tell, we tell things through that lens, calling people heroes if they do a good or a brave thing. I also remember us discussing the author's motives and really Jesus, uh, you know, the healing uh, and inclusion and pointing on injustice were more important than if the healings actually happened, you know. So, I mean... But seriously, there's a real part of me that's like, did it happen? Like, honestly, did it? Did any of these things happen? Are you contractually obligated to ask that as an agnostic? I mean, I think just, you know what? I think I'm just looking for the truth. And <laughs> I, I can, want the truth. I can handle the truth. <laughs> can you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I totally hear that. But I'd like to respond and completely deflect with one of my favorite miracles in Matthew 5. Um, you know, we have a whole lot going on in Matthew 5. There's hemorrhaging woman, uh, then, you know, she reaches out and kind of makes Jesus heal her. Uh, we've got him raising a girl from the dead. We also have the story of Jesus doing an exorcism, which is metal as fuck. So essentially there is this guy on the outskirts of town in a graveyard screaming and wearing broken chains, spooky stuff. The dude speaks and the voices inside identify themselves collectively like the Borg as legion, saying, we are legion, we are many. Again, spooky stuff. So next, Jesus drives the demons into swine, which are driven off a cliff, and the man is healed and can return to his community. But the story gets more interesting when we learn how audiences at the time would have reacted to the story. Legion is a Latin term brought into Greek. No one living in the empire who heard the term, which meant a multitude, would not think of a division of Roman troops, generally 5,000. Here, there are 2,000 swine in the story, which would have been a Roman battalion, the same number. People would have thought of soldiers, and soldiers might behave like swine. The The metaphor might function at an allegorical level. Roman possession of the land, much like a demon ridden man, disrupts the community. Legion begs not to be sent away, He's occupying the land in the graveyard. In Palestine, the symbol for Roman occupation was a boar, a.k.a. the demon-filled swine in the story driven off a cliff. An ancient reader would have made this connection. Symbolically, Jesus has taken control of demonic forces that are oppressing people. Romans don't want to leave. The story symbolically satisfies the desire to drive them into the sea and rid the people of them. But it doesn't take away from the individuality of the story. The people were left amazed with the healed man. It's a complex story about political, social, and communal restoration. The first public miracle Jesus does in Galilee is exorcism in Gentile territory. Mark puts the casting out of demons as a main way of showing the defeat and pushing back of evil of the Roman occupation. So it tells us who Jesus is to Mark, but also tells us a ton about the context of the audience listening to the story. So, so no. So no, none of this stuff really happened, <laughs> is what you're saying. Did it, Sarah? No, no. Did it? But I get it, right? Because, like, these stories are necessary for, like, for, you know, buy-in from the people of the time. And, and I would say even people still, like, 
you know, I don't know that Christianity would be Christianity if we didn't have, if like God or Jesus wasn't billed as miraculous, right? Yeah. If Jesus was just like, if Jesus's only miracle was that Jesus rose from the dead, would would that be enough? Or showed up with some extra wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, probably the extra wine would really knock it over the edge. Yeah. I think everybody would be like, "That's cool. Okay, cool. Jesus I'll follow a you cool now." Cool dude. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a solid dude. Solid dude showing up with with extra wine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, if you're really getting down to diddy or didn't he, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like this is, you know, I, I want to believe in magic, um, but I think the point here is resistance, right? Resistance to evil, whether or not that is spiritual or if it's, you know, the real horror that these people were experiencing in the land of being occupied, you yeah. know, the horror that comes with that. And so there's, there is hope given in these narratives that are multi-layered. And that's pretty cool. And there's a bit of a mystery there, right? Like, this is all, this all seems a bit out of reach, right? Like, the mystical nature of this, you're like, I don't know, that was a long time ago. And, you know, maybe like, he's just a really good magician, like, really good at sleight of hand. Yeah, like David Blaine. <laughs> he's like the ancient David Blaine. Yeah. And people were like, well, that guy was up to something. Yeah. What is going on? You're just like, poof. And then there's a powder and he's gone. Yeah, he's just a really political magician. (laughs) That would be wild. That would be hilarious. What would, you know, I've often thought about this, like what it would be like to travel back in time and to meet Jesus. Like, would it just be so totally weird and, and meta? Because he's probably nothing like any of us think he is, right? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, we would all immediately die just from the air because they mm. would have so much, like, everything would be so different. All of the diseases would be different. Yeah. The, you know, we would yeah. not survive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, sure. If we, if we were able if to we meet. we didn't die immediately. And <laughs> we were able to meet with Jesus. I think we would just, I think first we would just be like, Wow, everything's really gross. Yes. This smells really bad. Everything's horrible. Can we please not eat this unsalted, no (laughs) spices food? Yes. This is just mush. He's like, but I made it for you. And I'm like, thank you. Thanks so much, Jesus. But what's that over there? Oops. (laughs) Yeah. Gross. Okay, so after you throw Jesus' food on the ground, then what would happen? (laughs) Then I do a dip. He just dip. I would just walk up, just get up and leave. Like, I have no more, I have nothing else to say to you. Right. There's probably like two, I mean, there's 2,000 years of experience and understanding that divides um, Jesus from us. So I'm not sure that any conversation would actually make sense. Like also, it would be like two aliens meeting. Also, I like, I kind of like the idea that everybody was just so starved for any kind of, uh, like entertainment that they were like, yeah, I'll totally buy into this. Yeah. That seems marginally plausible. So yeah. he definitely is a healer. Which miracle person are you following around? Like they're I wonder if they're sort of like the athletes yeah. of today. Like, you know, well, no, those would have been gladiators, right? Maybe. Yeah, actually, yeah. So maybe like celebrities. They're the yeah. celebrities. <laughs> so like if I'm over here being like, you know, I really like uh I don't know who's a famous person. I really like Angelina Jolie. And you're like, no, I like I don't stand in other random famous person. And we're like, no, this person's better. Their acting is better, but it's really just miracles. Mm-hmm. It's really like, no, no, no. But did you see? He spit in his hand and he like, 
rubbed like, it on some dude's eyes. eyes. And then he was like, man, I see stuff. And you're yeah. like, what? <laughs> and that dude totally didn't even hit him back or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you swill a bunch of mead and eat your unsalted food. <laughs> and it's a lovely life. It's great. Sounds great. And then you die at the ripe old age of 13. <laughs> <laughs> After bearing nine children. <laughs> Bleak. Um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like when you're talking about what really happened, it's so... It's so none of this really happened. But also, like, I I couldn't help... Every, anytime we talk about, like, what was in the different books of the Bible and the different perspectives, like, I think about the different news channels today, right? Like, CNN's going to report, report something one way. MSNBC's going to report a different way. NPR is going to report it a different way and Fox News is going to report on something entirely different. <laughs> and, you know, they're each going to have things they focus. There are going to be some things that are objected facts. Like this was, you know, this person was murdered on this day. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times there are there's an extra zhuzhing that happens, you know, depending. Like take, for instance, if you were to read multiple biographies of JFK, like. Some are going to focus on his political work and some are going to focus on the fact that he was, you know, deadly Marilyn Monroe. Like, Truth. Yeah. There's just different aspects of the story. It's true. Who knows? Multifaceted. So many facets <laughs> to dig into. What would you, hey, you know, I'm curious for our readers, listeners, whatever, however you're consuming this media. Um, if you could travel back in time and talk to Jesus and survive and not immediately die of some sort of plague. Would you eat his food? <laughs> a. And B, what would you attempt to talk to him and what would you ask him? I mean, I'd probably find Mary and be like, Mary, did you know? <laughs> and she punches you in the face and she's like, I knew. She's like, I never stop getting this question. <laughs> she's like, 2,000 years from now, somebody's going to write the worst song in the world. <laughs> and all these time travelers are going to be coming back and asking me, did I know? <laughs> Get off my ass. <laughs> I love it. All, All right. right. Jinx. 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 Right. You something. No. Something. <laughs> also, sidebar, if you heard um, any scratching or licking during this, uh, my dog crept in our podcasting tent. So that wasn't just, those aren't sounds Sarah and I make. <laughs> just so you know. Just in case you're wondering. There sounds that Ryan and Laura made. Ew. Gross. Gross. <laughs> awesome. All right. So um, you can file your complaints at Bible Bitches on Twitter, <laughs> um, at Bible Bitches Podcast uh, on Instagram. Yep. You can go to our website, BibleBitchesPodcast.com, and donate on our Patreon, please, um, and help us keep bringing you good, delicious content. Um, for you to consume. Yeah, and a big shout out to Miss Eves uh, at Yo Eves on Twitter for our intro and outro music. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher, Stitcher, um, yeah, others, all of those places, all of them, wherever you're listening to us right now. Yep. Um, anything else? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Bye, you guys. Love Bye. you. Love you.